Hello, hello, hello. How is everybody? Um, welcome to another week of Hot Damn Radio. I'm your host, DJ Dork. We got a very different kind of show this week. Um, something new for me, hopefully something new for you. Usually I start off with a track, as longtime listeners are aware, but this week I have my good friend, college housemate, and a Bay Area local musician, Corbin Daw, joining us to talk about a new release that he's been working on, demo some tracks, and just talk about you know his musical experience. Corbin, you know the mic's all yours. Awesome. Hi, everyone. Great to be here on BFF.FM. I've been listening to your show for a few months now, Danny, and I really enjoy it. So I feel like I'm in a special place right now, and that's a great feeling. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, it's definitely a special place, and I'm going to warn y'all, you know, I have not done this kind of thing before, and I'm, I'm definitely the kind of guy, I wish I wasn't this way, but when I do stuff that I haven't done before, I get the heebie-jeebies, sometimes <laughs> I get nervous, and like the butterflies and stuff, so if I, if I goof big time, and this interview falls flat on its face, not Corbin's fault. Does I'm not sure it's going to go great, I have no, quest- no doubts about that. Okay, well, I'm just throwing that out there for everybody. Also, Corbin just uh, took a, a little pic of me for his IG story, and I don't know, man, I was looking kind of chunky. In it, um, you know, no, you it, look fine. No, right? your, your boy's been trying to bulk a little bit, and I think I've maybe gone too far. You know, um, oof. There is such a thing as too husky, but I don't think that was what was going on here. I think that was just some distortion from the camera. Everyone hates okay, the way so, they look. Okay, so Corbin admits it that I look chunky on the photo. Is what he's saying? Oh no. Okay. I suppose that was the first thing I said. But if you listen to the rest, as all all love. All right. Well, I gotta I gotta cool it. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Cool. So let me just give you, the listener, an idea of what the show is going to be like. Corbin has been working on a five-track EP. Um, He sent me um, five demo tracks off of that. Um, You know, these are still pieces of music that are in the works, but it's going to be really cool to look at them before they're completely finished. Um, And, you know, we're just going to talk about them a little bit. Corbin also sent me some songs from, some songs and some songs that he felt were like kind of influential, I think, during for his tracks and for this EP and some artists that he really enjoys. So we're going to talk about them, how like other musicians have influenced him, his songwriting process. And we're just going to hopefully have some time also to riff back and forth and just like have a good little hour here. So to start off, maybe, you know, Corbin, you could tell us a little bit about yourself. I know all about you, but... <laughs> Not everybody does. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to tell a little bit about myself. So uh, my name is Corbin. I am 25 years old. Uh, I'm originally from Palo Alto, born in Stanford Hospital. Um, So I grew up in the Bay Area. I uh, moved to Minnesota for college, which is where Danny and I met. And uh, I've been back here for coming up on two years now. Um, And I've been playing music for the majority of my life at this point. I think I started, or not quite the majority. I'm a year away from the majority of my life. I started in 2009 and uh, started playing bass guitar. Uh, From there, I taught myself a little bit of guitar and then some piano, and I got really into songwriting probably around the time I was finishing up middle school. Um, And it's something I've been doing basically ever since then, uh, songwriting that is, but I don't think it was really until the past six months or so that I was writing songs that I was really proud of. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what you're about to hear now are five songs I've been working on for, I guess the past seven-ish months or so. Uh, I think I started writing them really around November. Um, And yeah, they just kind of are representative of um, some new directions I've been trying to go in musically. In the past, I think I've relied a lot on humor in my music, and I tried to consciously move away from that here, uh, which isn't to say that they're all 
somber and grim, but I definitely think that they they take themselves a little bit more seriously. I, I often find when you over rely on humor, really kind of in any media, including songs, um, it can sometimes feel like you don't really believe in yourself or you're undercutting um, the listener's chances to take you seriously. Um, and so I tried to actively move away from that. Yeah, that is, okay, that's actually such an interesting point. I'm not a songwriter, but something that I really enjoyed doing in my spare time is kind of like fiction writing and writing short pieces. I did a lot of that in college. And I found that a lot of times I would rely on humor on my writing. And there were definitely times where I was like, okay, let me sit down and let me try to write a somewhat more serious piece of fiction. And it was just really hard to Mm -hmm. make that transition. Honestly, I just felt like, you know, I don't know, you have to rely more on like actual good writing and like really gripping the the reader i'm only talking in terms of of writing and not songwriting here um but it definitely i didn't realize how big of a crutch humor in writing was until i tried to write something more serious Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that oh now i'm some like amazing more serious writer at all but i think that's something that kind of rings true um like you're saying across different mediums yeah i mean it's a fine line right like you it's okay of course to make people laugh and if you're doing comedy that's the primary goal but when you you do that, at least in my experience, and it sounds like maybe yours as well, there can be a tendency to move a little bit too much towards self-deprecating. And I think when you do that, then you kind of give your listener a free pass to not really take you seriously, or at least to lower their expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think that can create real issues um, in any form of artistry. Which sometimes it's fine for people to not... You don't have to take everything seriously in life. Oh, but I think not, it, yeah. it's also good to want to have the ability to write something that is taken seriously exactly yeah Mm -hmm. um at least that's how i feel and then like you were talking about how you've just recently gotten to the point where you feel proud of the songs that you're writing i know in college you were part of a couple of different groups you know you might have known corbin from his 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 peaks in fame (laughs) from haunted janet that's right geyser Uh um but like were you part of the songwriting process there are you just, were you not, were you just not proud of what, mm-hmm. what came out of that? Yeah, I mean, with Haunted Janet, I, I was a part of the songwriting process. I was one of the uh, primary songwriters. Um, and, you know, for what it was at the time, which was a college band that I think was a little bit above average, um, yeah, I was very proud of it. I mean, we won Battle of the Bands my junior year, primarily playing original music. Um, that's probably my favorite memory from college. Um, but when I listen back to the music now, I feel like, yeah, you know what, that was okay. We could definitely do better um and i think i i've done better since then i feel like oftentimes that's what it's like um again really with any sort of art what you kind of hope is that you look back on your stuff and are like yeah you know what that was fun but i've gotten better since then i had one music professor who said your best piece is always going to be your next piece and i think that's a helpful way of thinking about it okay cool all right there's so much more to talk about with corbin but we also we have music to play so i think now is a perfect time to kind of segue into our first little track um, first, we're going to start off with a song called song by Corbin called No Music. And then we're going to follow that up by a song that he fills um, pairs with that well. And kind of um, there are some similarities to um, which is which will be Lonesome Love by Mitski. So, Corbin, if you want to talk a quick second um, about this pairing and then we'll just jump right in. Sure. So I'm going to talk a little bit more later in the show about my songwriting process. Um, but I'll just say now that oftentimes when I'm writing a song, it starts off with consciously trying to not quite imitate, but um, take inspiration from directly from um, a song and then see if I can do something similar um, with my own music. And so that was the case with this song, which I'm calling No Music! Exclamation um, Point, 
where it was very inspired by this Mitski song that you're going to hear next. So when you're listening to those two songs, just see if you can hear any uh, commonalities between them. All right, cool. Let's do it. This is No Music by Corbin Dodd, the demo track.
And that was just No Music, exclamation point, by Corbin Dodd, followed by Lonesome Love by Mitski. Corbin, you want to talk about No Music, Lonesome Love, just for a quick sec? Would love to, yeah. Let me talk about uh, No Music for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that song was inspired by uh, listening to Lonesome Love. Um, Mitski's probably my favorite artist of the past decade. Um, I love how she manages to both be very punk, but also quite easy to listen to um, and super interesting when you, like, look at the instrumentation that she uses and uh, the chords that she chooses um, and of course her lyrics as well um, just a fantastic all around artist um, so I'd listened to the, the album this song is off Be the Cowboy many 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 times um, but somehow this song had never really stood out to me um, then just maybe six months ago I was going on a walk and just put the album on and for some reason I don't know why this particular song jumped out at me I was like oh wow this is a great song how have I never sat down and specifically listened to this one. Um, then probably a day or so later, I was just up in my room, strumming around on the guitar. I started doing something sort of similar to what she was doing. You could probably hear that in the song. The rhythm I'm playing on acoustic guitar is pretty close to what she's doing. It's not mm-hmm. exactly the same. Um, and then I just kind of came up with that. Were you trying to emulate it, or were you just strumming around and maybe you emulated it because it was in your head? You yeah, listening to it that's a, a good question. Um, I consciously try to emulate other artists. When I hear something I like, I try to come up with something close to it. I've heard people say that great artists steal. Um, and I think that it's not literally plagiarism, um, but it's okay to start out with trying to copy someone's style. Um, then you have to have trust in you being a different individual from that songwriter and assume that you're going to, by the time you actually finish up the song, it's going to sound markedly different from Mm -hmm. um, what you heard. Like, I think if someone were to hear no music on its own, they wouldn't immediately connect it to the Mitski song. Now, once I tell you this was inspired by this song, then you're like, okay, yeah, I can sort of hear that. But I don't think I have to worry about like getting sued by Mitski's lawyers for for plagiarism or anything like that. Um, But yeah, so I was consciously just striving to uh, replicate that sound um, and what I really like about this song and Mitski more generally um, is that, as I was sort of alluding to earlier, it's unusual chord choices, but it's highly melodic at the same time. And for me as a songwriter, my goal really has always been to blend um, un- something unusual with uh, something very accessible at the same time. I feel like if I'm managing to do that as a songwriter, I'm really doing my job. Um, you know, it's not... It's actually not that hard once you get past your first few songs to come up with like chords and a melody and a few words 
that fit. Um, where I think the real fun of songwriting lies is trying to find a chord progression that, you know, I wouldn't say a chord progression that's never been done before, but more unusual chords, and uh, still present those in a way that makes that's pleasant to listen to, and that you feel like, yeah, I, I could see myself dancing to this, or I could see myself just enjoying listening to this on a walk. Um, that, to me, is a lot of fun, and that's where the real challenge of songwriting lies. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, you know, maybe this is just, like, semantics, but you're talking about, like, oh, you know, as my job, as a musician, I feel like, like, in, in maybe choosing more, a more unusual chord progression, you, that's something that not all listeners are going to pick up on. Mm-hmm. Like, the casual music listener, I think, um, they're just going to listen to the song, and if it sounds good, it sounds good, and maybe that's what you're getting at with the accessibility of it. So, kind of, are you talking about, like, do you trying to appeal to two different audiences of like the accessibility for just the casual music listener, but then also like interesting chord choices for, you know, the more t- uh, trained ear, or is that just more like, you know, that's how you derive some more satisfaction yourself, mm-hmm. like being able to make something that sounds good while still, you know, not going with something super basic. Sure. Yeah. I, I would say all of the above. Um, I mean, certainly I, I write songs primarily for my own enjoyment. Um, cause it makes me happy. Um, but yeah, I also, I would say I'm trying to appeal both to uh, musicians and non-musicians. And yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. Um, if a non-musician is listening to the chords, they're not going to be like, oh, wait a minute, there's a chord that's outside of the key here. So therefore, must be doing something interesting. Whereas a musician probably will pick up on something like that. So yeah, I'm trying to appeal to both. Um, but I'm also a firm believer that non-musicians have, for the most part, pretty strong musical instincts. And they know if they're hearing something that's unusual. They might not have the vocabulary to describe it, but I think if you played um, chords on the piano for the average non-musician and you just kind of did like the standard four or five chords that we're used to hearing in pop music, and then you played a six chord that kind of came out of nowhere or was, you know, one of these more unusual chords that I like to talk about, where it's still, there's a, you can come up with a music theory explanation for it, but it's not quite as familiar that person's going to notice that something about that chord is different from the other ones. Mm -hmm. They might not have the vocabulary to tell you why, but they will pick up on it. Are you speaking to this from your background as a kind of, you know, assistant music teacher? A little bit. Yeah, that's in there. Uh I graded for music theory when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And yeah, definitely had some office hours where we did similar um, experiments to what I was just talking about, where you play some chords and you play a weird one and people kind of put their hand up and they're like, ooh, yeah, that one is outside the key. All right, sick. Dropping a little bit of Corbin Dodd lore for you guys here. (laughs) There's going to be a quiz at the end of the hour, so I hope you're all taking notes. Now we got, I'm just going to sneak in an audience question for you. This comes from my boy, Lucas Winkler Prince. Um, And Corbin, I know, uh, well, well, I'm just going to throw it out there. Throw it at you. All right, I can't wait. If your band, or not your band, if you, and I guess your music, mm-hmm. was an animatronic playing at Chuck E. Cheese, which animal <laughs> would it be? Wow. Uh, first, hi, Lucas. Thank you for the question. Um, you don't have time to think. You just got to... All right, just top of head, up. an alligator. I feel like an Heck animatronic yeah. alligator would be cool. I think you're just trying to appeal to the Florida boy in Could me. Could be. Yeah, I may have been subconsciously yeah. trying to do that. You don't got to chum me up any, <laughs> anymore, Corbin. This is, it's already good. All right, cool. Let's transition to another song. Next, we got coming up aspirations by corbin dodd and then we're going to follow it up with a day in the life by the beatles you know them you love them most people do awesome any 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 thoughts on this one yeah yeah uh i don't think i do have any uh thoughts on it let's just take it away yeah let's just let the music speak Still 
still so much left to do. I hit the cul-de-sac and walk for blocks. Try to get lost, but nowhere feels new. I'm walking circles till I'm standing still. A jet stream fades above the park. Horizon riding, but it still looks high. Golden gliding, and now it's getting dark, and I just can't focus myself. Pages puzzle pieces fall in place. You stride across an empty stage, and there's no dirty tricks, no dead end streets, no dejection, no horniness, no rage, and I just can't focus myself on a single thing from the ground Strike on your strings and strum to reason Drum and pound Watch a world light in in the sound Time swell crescendo to a soli A lullaby lost long ago Last notes lift up to the night The cats it all grows dim She fades into the glow The glow
All right. And that was just, you know, once again, a little bit of recap for you. That was just Aspirations by Corbin, followed by A Day in the Life by The Beatles. There you have it. Yeah. So I can talk a little bit about this one as well. Um, I think probably the most obvious commonality between my song um, and A Day in the Life is that it's split into two different parts. Um, So my song Aspirations starts off with this kind of calmer piano bit. Um, But then I think hinting at something being wrong with the uh, pre-chorus, we get this and I just can't focus myself. Um, And then it goes into this middle section where I'm basically just hitting a bunch of diminished chords and moving up the piano higher Mm -hmm. and higher. Um, And then it goes into a faster paced um, piano section. Um, Day in the Life, similar idea. Um, I'll also mention that I think Day in the Life is probably the best thing that the Beatles ever did, and the Beatles are my favorite band, so I'm very much a fan of this song. Um, And I think that it's such like it's such an incredibly famous song um like arguably the band's most famous song probably in my opinion their most important song um and like the best microcosm of who the beatles were as a group um so i'm not trying to top a day in the life or anything like that um but it is directly inspired by um that shift between two sections okay cool why do you think um you know it's the best thing they've ever done the most important well I'm a big fan of the Beatles. Um, the, I guess the answer to that question would be a really long one, um, but I can give you kind of the short yeah, answer. Yeah, give us the um, short. Give okay. us the abridged route. Yeah, so the Beatles, all of their songs are credited, or not all, but the vast majority are credited to John Lennon and Paul McCartney. In reality, after like A Hard Day's Night, they were pretty much writing separately. Um, a Day in the Life is an exception to that, where this came really when they were at the peak of their creative prowess, uh, the album Sgt. Pepper, which a lot of people would say is the best album ever made. Um, and this was an actual combination between John Lennon and Paul McCartney, where John wrote the first section that I read the news today, and then Paul wrote the section that's more dreamy. Um, I think it just kind of reimagined what a rock band could do. Um, really, this whole era, the Beatles were pushing the boundaries of not just like what instrumentations you'd use in a band with having like a full orchestra doing that main, doing that middle section where they went between parts, um, but also just revolutionizing the way that the recording studio was used, um, and all of that's here, and just fully showcases the creativity of uh, both John and Paul as songwriters, and how that partnership, which after Sgt. Pepper, like the group really started to have some uh, tensions, and eventually it led to them fracturing and breaking up. Um, this was kind of like the last moment where they were still working together, even if they were still in their separate spheres. Only problem with the song is George Harrison isn't featured on it, but otherwise I think it's a great microcosm of everything that made the Beatles great. Okay, perfect, perfect. I'm going to go out, I'm just, you know, if people want to stop being, a, uh, stop liking me off this, that's fine, but I got to be transparent, I don't really like the Beatles that much, I mean, that song is good, when I listen to the Beatles, oh I'm god. like, yeah, no, these songs are good, <laughs> but like, you know, everybody's like, oh my god, it's the best thing ever, you know, similarly, I, I feel like, <laughs> maybe this is, I'm going to regret saying <laughs> I'm just giving Danny the death eye right yeah. now. <laughs> I feel like it's similar to Harry Potter, like, I, I've read like five out of seven Harry Potter books, read prisoner of azkaban a bunch of times seen mm-hmm. the movies a lot and i don't think it's bad i think it's kind of good i just don't think it's the best thing ever uh-huh um so yeah i'm in but but i appreciated <laughs> that song and i appreciate okay, cool. you know beatles songs when i listen to them and obviously you know what they have done for me yeah music. i mean i do have to respond to that real quick <laughs> yeah, um, no, lay first it of all me. to each Thick. his own um <laughs> obviously music is subjective uh, we all have our tastes that are influenced by whatever so that's cool if you don't like the beatles i'm not gonna fight you there but i do want to say why i think the i beatles don't actively are so great. dislike them okay you just don't see why they're held up as like no, the best I, mean, no, I, I, could, I 
influentially and they have good songs mm-hmm. i would say i i think that they're good like it's not like this random song this random group that i'm like oh none of the songs i uh-huh, like right. like there's definitely a lot of songs of theirs that i do like i would say in my opinion good okay gotcha well what stands out to me about the beatles um one is just how uh, melodic and easy to listen to but also interesting again kind of that same confluence i was talking about um they're like the epitome of that um, but also they just experimented with so many styles like you listen to Rubber Soul sounds completely different from Revolver different from Pepper different from White Album anyway I could go on but I'll just leave it at that we'll leave it at that we're not trying to get yeah. people to hate me anymore and if I could say one more thing too about yeah, uh, Aspirations um, my song is my whole goal with uh, sharing these demos is one just kind of get the music out there give people a sense of what's coming up with this album but also i thought it'd be neat just as a way of peering inside a musician's mind and seeing what a project looks like when it's about halfway done right now at this point i've got all the songs um written in the sense that i have chords words um and like one of the main parts like well i guess two of the main parts i got the vocal melody and also like depending on the song piano or guitar that's completely done so i'm about halfway there um the next steps are going to be um arranging the songs and recording them basically but meat and bones of the songs it's all finished and so i thought it would be cool to uh broadcast them share them with people when they're at the stage where the song has taken shape um but it's not yet the final product i guess trying to think if there's a metaphor for describing it but i think you get what i'm saying like if i could play all these songs live at an open mic and everything would sound complete it just doesn't have a full band arrangement yet yeah sure i think that's a, a good thing to mention we have another audience question for you, again, from our guy, Lucas. Corbin, who is your songwriter crush? My songwriter crush? Well, I love Paul McCartney of the Beatles, especially because bass guitar is my primary instrument. And it's funny to talk about Paul McCartney being underrated, but he's really underappreciated as a bassist. Um, he's an excellent bassist. Um, so he'd be there. I love Ben Folds. We're going to play some of his music a little bit later. Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, big fan of um mitski as well i guess it's like four songwriter okay. crushes but they're all great yeah that's okay you can be in a polygamous relationship okay. with all of them polyamorous songwriter polyamorous okay um okay so we're just gonna transition to another track this is gonna be post-war which is actually what your ep is you're planning on naming it after this is the yeah. titular track and then we're gonna follow that up with hope by alex g everybody loves alex g Anything you got to say before we jump in, or should we just hop right in? Let's just hop right in. All right, cool. Again, this is Post War by Corbin Dodd. It was a good day to cry when the news got around. And as the bells rang out, what once had felt sky beyond the sea When the crowds at last dispersed and died down The voices carried I could hear the shouts and laughter Faded ruins they lead me 
past the strip malls and billboards I'm building my house And you can have a plane from out of state or further Put the car and drive and floor And that was just Post-War by Corbin Dodd, followed up by Hope by Alex G. Um, I think the similarities between the two tracks, especially the guitar, are very evident. I love the kind of abrupt ending that you have in Post-War. You want to talk a little bit about your thought process behind the lyrics of Post-War, maybe the namesake, you know, all that motivations? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you said it. I think you can really hear the uh, influence from Alex G there. Uh, it's pretty stark, especially with the um, guitars. Uh, yeah, so just like the uh, other couple songs, um, when I was starting to write this one, I was consciously thinking about that Alex G song, which I love. I think that's uh, it's such a beautiful um, song. And uh, that was, I guess, where the similarities between those two songs ended was kind of with, um, yeah, with the guitar and with um, that inspiration. Um, in terms of what inspired the lyrics, I mean, it's really kind of a, I think this song is a good example of some of the uh, broader 
things and circumstances that inspired the uh, album. This song especially is about just kind of the feeling of relief I felt in November once the election was over. Um, and I, I think if you listen to the lyrics a little bit more, you can hear that in there. But I didn't want to be overtly um, political. I just wanted it to feel like some sort of uh, celebration of some sort and just kind of capture a sense of relief, um, but also some lingering anger or bitterness. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the title post-war really captured that. It's a title that I've liked for a long time. I knew known I wanted to call an album that for at least a couple years now. Um, that's actually, I suppose, the oldest part of this project is the working title, which isn't okay. usually the way it works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that term really captures both kind of like the sense of optimism and also sort of the lingering scars. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a sentiment that a lot of people are feeling right now. Um, so I hope that the music will continue to resonate with people. Um, and then also just on a personal level, some of the circumstances that I think really made this creative process um, possible were one, I was listening to a lot more music. Um, I've been playing with, I was playing with a band um, right before everything shut down in March 2020. And then of course we weren't able to rehearse in our super small airtight practice space. Um, so what we started doing instead was we assigned each other albums to listen to. And I realized I just don't listen to that much music. And I think that one of the great ways to get your creative juices flowing is to listen to music, which seems so obvious. Um, and yet it took me um, a while to actually figure that out. And so I was just pulling more inspiration from like different genres I wouldn't otherwise listen to and just spending more time thinking about what makes these pieces of music work. And I think that that really uh, inspired me to go out and try making some of my own things. Um, and the other thing is I, uh, I was supposed to start a new job in March of 2020. I was going to be working with the Stanford Choirs. Uh, needless to say, that did not pan out. I was supposed to schedule concerts and rehearsals and tours for them. Um, and none of that stuff is back and like might not even be back until like fall of this year. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, but anyway, I ended up around November finding a full-time job working um, at the place I went to middle school. Um, and I've really enjoyed that. So, so cute, I will have to say. It's been fun, yeah. And coworkers with previous teachers? Yes? No? Uh, a couple, yeah. I'm actually, I'm, the school is K through eight. So I went there for middle school. I happened to be there um, working with, I was working with the first grade team. I'm going to be working with third grade next year. Um, and yeah, it's cute. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's It's been a really good experience. Um, and also, I, I'm just someone who works better when I don't have um, a lot of unstructured time, which I know is kind of counterintuitive, but I feel like I need to have like 40 hours where I'm doing something. And then if that means I have like 30 minutes at the end of the day to work on a song, that works really well for me. Um, and so just getting that structure in my life, I think facilitated me to work a bit more on these songs. Mm -hmm. And can you, okay, so you've talked about like a lot of times you'll go and you'll listen to a song that'll really, you know, hit you for whatever reason. And sometimes you'll go and you'll try to emulate it or at least, you know, the base parts of it. But can you speak a little bit more towards your songwriting process? Are you a melody first kind of guy? Do you, when do the lyrics come in? How do you workshop pieces? Mm -hmm. How long do things typically take? I know this can be really variable. Yeah, you're right. It, it is pretty variable, but I would say the typical process is me sitting at my piano. I'll just try playing some chords. And uh, if I come up with something I like, I might hum a melody over it, see if I can come up with something. Um, then typically I let it sit for a while. I often find that the melody will change a little bit from what you initially expect or what you initially sing. Um, and then oftentimes you, or at least I, will add um, a new part to the song, like a chorus. I often find that that's kind of where I get stuck. I would say of the song fragments I have, probably only like a third of them make it past um, the initial verse and then I come up with a chorus. Um, and once 
Once I have like a good verse, good chorus, then I try to write the lyrics. Uh, the lyrics, definitely the most uh, labor-intensive part for me. Oftentimes, I find that I have to write at least six drafts of lyrics to get to something that I really like. And each draft, you know, often builds off a couple lines from the original. But I feel like for me, the real challenge with lyrics is both avoiding cliches and avoiding being too melodramatic, but also, like we were talking about it at the beginning, not over-relying on humor. So yeah. it just takes a while. Yeah, I, I believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. Also, I think got to give um, obligatory plug to BFF.FM, just in case you know you guys don't know what you're listening to. You're listening to BFF.FM, San Francisco Community Radio. This is Hot Damn Radio. Your host, DJ Dork. I have, I'm joined here by a Bay Area musician and good friend of mine, Corbin Dodd, going over some demo tracks. Speaking of demo tracks, we have another one coming up. This is going to be another Rebel. And when you sent this to me as an MP3, you had it within parentheses. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you speak to that stylistic decision? Sure. Well, initially I wasn't sure why. I just kind of liked the way it looked. But I was eventually realizing that the verse of this song, I am. it's from like the first person plural, talking about um, these people who are kind of challenging some system of some kind. Again, kind of general terms. So I wanted it to sound like they were sort of revolutionaries. You as the listener can pick out whatever context you like. Um, and then in the chorus, I was shifting to third person, kind of omniscient narrator. And in there, there's the line, another rebel. So I felt like this person was describing what they were seeing, I see. seeing these people. But the primary perspective is still the uh, first person plural, the rebels at the start. So I felt like the song title is coming from the perspective of the third person narrator, but they're not the primary focus of the song, so therefore parentheses kind of denote that this person is an observer as opposed to the subject. Cool. Everything has a reason. It wasn't just to look (laughs) cool, but it it looks different, which is also good. That's how you stand out. Um, Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. that's important. And we're going to follow up another Rebel with Best Imitation of Myself by the Ben Folds 5, which this song isn't necessarily, or this this track by the Ben Folds 5 doesn't necessarily, you know, didn't necessarily influence another rebel but i know you're just a big fan of ben folds five and you told me that you feel like you're often compared to them far and away like after every open mic people will be like you know who you remind me of is ben folds which is great i love the comment i love ben folds um so i will take that um and i thought i would play a ben folds five song um just so you can hear what that sound is if you've never heard of them all right i haven't played them on the show yet so this is going to be a great inaugurable 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 Inaugural? Inaugural, man. I just could not <laughs> do that. Um, spin of them. So again, we're going to start off with Another Rebel by Corbin, followed by Best Imitation of Myself by Ben Folds 5. Here we go. Masters of the unknown. Champions of the strange. Seeking out the things those others can't define. The ones who'll never change We fought, we fought Oh, we fought the day We dropped our suits and dustbins Gave our metro cards away What's the point of being someone when you go nowhere? When you're paying to play Stuck in your lane Chasing down the gray Another rebel Laying their claim Right to the times The 
Masters of the silence, shapers of the night. We were laughing last and gazed upon by fearful eyes. So we leapt into flight, orange and white, inspiration light. Another rebel. Like a quote out of context, withholding the rest, so I can be free. What you wanna see? I got the gesture and sounds, got the timing down. It's uncanny, yeah. You think it was me? Do you think I should take a class to lose my southern accent?
And that was just Another Rebel by Corbin Dodd, followed by Best Imitation of Myself by Ben Folds 5. Yeah, so with those two songs, not a direct inspiration. Um, I just love the sound of the Ben Folds 5. There's really no group that sounds quite like him with like the upbeat piano rock, um, but also kind of snarly punk attitude at the same time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, there you go. It's one of my big influences. Um, and this last song that we're going to play, I think... You know, this is one of the rare songs where it just kind of came to me and I was done with the uh, music of it in like about 15 minutes, which is super unusual. Almost never happens. Um, took a little bit longer to get to the words, but I was going for a pretty different vibe on this one, kind of like a great American songbook vibe with um, a few more allusions to modern times in the words. So that's really all I have to say about this one. I'm and just... it's called Autumn in Central Park. Were you in Central Park? Was it Autumn? Are you, were you just projecting <laughs> a la, you know, Phoebe Bridgers, Kyoto? I guess, yeah. Like Phoebe Bridgers, Kyoto, yeah. I've been to Central Park maybe once in my life. Um, but it just During autumn, yes, no, can you remember? Uh, it would have been during the spring, so I'm a fraud. Okay. okay. But I felt like New York just kind of screams like these songs like Irving Berlin, Cole Porter, all those great American songbook writers who were writing around like 30s, 40s. It just had to be in New York, so that's why I chose Central Park. All right, cool. Autumn in Central Park by Corbin Dodd. Here we go. Walk in the park on a fall Saturday The prices were surging, I took the subway All of the people staring down at their screens Say what you will, but I still like it here I like how the chatter is suddenly clear Silly and sad, those bits we glean I hope to live without you What am I going to do? How can I hope to find an answer When you're all that I knew? Others find lovers who stay by their sides For all the most terrible times Everything's changed and in the park like there's something to see just old men with chest sets and kids on 
on the swings Pieces of stories each the star of their own Moments are small but our dreams magnify Canada geese into Manhattan sky Step back and watch them less And that was Autumn in Central Park. There you have it. Yeah, that's the EP. Again, not complete yet. Uh, next steps are I'm going to... Well, I actually just finished tracking the drums, um, which I did in San Francisco um, on Friday. It was a total blast. Worked with a professional drummer named, Pom, named Tom. He's awesome. Um, and now the next steps are I need to mix those. And then I'm going to go back to Minnesota. And I'm going to um, record the rest of the parts with a sound engineer there who I know from uh, our time in school. Sick. I mean, that sounds perfect. I, I honestly, you know, not when you talk about it. Yeah, the drums weren't there. It only really hit me after I listened to Best Imitation of Myself. After, um, what was it? What was the song that we did? Another Rebel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, just like when mm-hmm. the drums kick in on that. Maybe drums will add a lot to that song. Yeah, alluding yeah. to what you said, the similarities between Ben Folds Five and and your sound. Okay, cool. So you know, it's still a work in progress. Release hopefully some point later this year. Mm-hmm. Also, you briefly mentioned, you know, open mics. Is there a place where people could listen to Well, if you're to you on live? the peninsula, I occasionally play at this place called Red Rock Cafe in Mountain View. Uh, with everything slowly returning to normal, uh, I don't have any shows immediately booked, but yeah, I will certainly keep people in the loop. If you want to follow me on Instagram, my handle is Corbin, C-O-R-B-I-N dot Dodd, D-O-D-D. All right, oh. perfect. And that's pretty much our hour. Thank you again so much, Corbin, for joining us. I've had a good time. Thank you, Danny. This has been a blast. Um, yeah, super cool. Um, cool. And again, you know, listen in to my show. If you're a first-time listener, next week, the weeks after, I don't usually interview people, mostly just playing my jams. But, you know, I think they're good jams. <laughs> they are good jams. All I right, like cool. Too. Deuces, everybody. Thank you for listening. <laughs>